Thanks, Norm. Thanks, guys. We appreciate that. Uh, amen. Uh, do you have your Bibles today? Okay, always bring your Bible to church. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a great place to bring your Bible. Church, God's house. All right. Well, turn or click, if you would, to the book of Luke, chapter 7. We are starting a brand new series today. Uh, and, and for the next two months, uh, Lord willing, we're going to uh, do a series called I'm In. I'm In. And we're, uh, I, I'm going to do kind of a play on that word in, and we're, we're going to talk about the uh, expectations that the Lord has for us, the uh, opportunities that the Lord has for us uh, as followers of Jesus. Uh, if we're saying, Lord, I, I want to make you my, my Lord, I want to make you my Savior, I'm in on this thing, then what does that mean? And I want to share that with you. Okay, now, before I do, Sue, what are my boundaries here? Okay, because Sue says I run out of the shot all the time because I kind of get excited and I start moving like that. I'm just like, oh, I'll go this way, okay? okay. <laughs> I'm talking to Sue, not you people. Okay, good. <laughs> Y'all would have me in the men's bathroom by the time you were done. Just, no, hot, hot, cold. Is this good too? Okay, good. All right, okay. So now I know... Now I know where to go. Okay, that's not going to work for me. But the, all right, I'm kind of a mover. It's about the only time I get steps. So, uh, so today, today uh, we're we're going to share this message, and, and that is this: I'm invited. I'm invited. Uh, have you have you ever not been invited to something? Oh man, and like. Everybody else that you knew was invited, but you weren't. You ever had that experience before? It's kind of funny. Uh, you know, we got uh, you know we got a number of you know friends that we love and care about, and uh, sometimes they might have an occasion or a get together uh, where <laughs> some some. Uh, conduct or some things might be offered that I normally would not participate in. And it's kind of funny because I find myself not always getting invited to those types of situations, which is funny. Um, we're we're going to take a look at a feast, a party that Jesus was invited to, but there was one uninvited guest who crashed the party. And that person's life was changed forever. I want to share Luke chapter 7 with you, beginning in verse 36. So why don't you go there? And we're going to take a look at this party, this feast, this get-together that a man invited Jesus to come to, and this party did not quite go like the host planned, but it was a glorious ending to this party. If you're able to, why don't you stand with me and honor God's word as we read this together. Can you do that with me? We're in Luke chapter 7, verse 36, and we will go to verse 50. If you're there, say amen. Amen. All right, if you don't have your Bible, we're going to put the uh, scriptures on the screen for you. So here we go. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. 
A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. (laughs) Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, and so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. And then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love is shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Lord, speak to us today. And I pray, Lord God, that if there be, if there just be one person who feels rejected by all that are around him or her, Lord, may they know that they are invited to be a part of your family. So Jesus, may your word come alive in our hearts and in our lives today and change us, I ask you. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. So let me, let me just say right from the beginning, and that is this, that Jesus invites into his family, into his uh, touch, into a relationship. He invites those that religion despises. He invites those that other people overlook. He invites those that feel that they are not good enough. Can you say amen to that today? If you've ever felt ashamed, if you've ever felt unworthy, if you've ever felt unwanted, then I want you to hear one of the greatest truths of the gospel, and that's this. Jesus invites people that others reject. Jesus invites others that people Jesus invites people that others reject. And as I read this story, I just fell in love with with what I was reading here again. And I've heard this story before, but this really came alive for me here because every single one of us are invited to the family of God. And we might be rejected by 
the culture, we might be rejected by our own families, but we are accepted by Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? And so what I want to do, I want to show you that there are three types of people here. Actually, three individuals that are in this story that really represent this whole truth of the fact that the gospel is available to everybody. Let me try this side. The gospel is afraid is available to everybody. Amen. Amen? So when 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 people uh, I'll just let me just get into it, okay? Because first of all, I, I, I want to I tackle the first group, and that is the religious. The religious. Now, here's what we have, okay? We have a man by the name of Simon who is a Pharisee, okay? Uh, in case you don't know what a Pharisee is, a Pharisee was a religious leader, uh, and there was a big group of them. In fact, there were two main groups. There was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees were very legalistic, as were the Sadducees. The Pharisees believed in a resurrection, uh, and they were very proud, very arrogant people. And, and some people remember that by saying, they were very fair, I see, Right? Uh, they would they would wear the flowing robes. They they outwardly they would look very pious. They would look visibly religious. Uh, they would pray very long, eloquent prayers. They had uh, elaborate cleansing ceremonies. They were very very impressive spiritually, and certainly they would never be around let alone associate with a person who is considered a sinner. A Sadducee was about the same thing, except they didn't believe in the resurrection. So they're very sad, you see. Uh, so that was... These are the jokes, people! Gosh. And so, so you've got these hyper-spiritual, religious people, right? These are the people that seem to be like they're the ones that have it all together. These are the people who were the authorities on everything God. And if you read the Gospels, you will notice that the biggest, strongest, harshest words that Jesus ever had for anybody were the Pharisees. But some people might think that Jesus would be, if, if he was God, he would certainly align himself with the Pharisees. If he's the son of God, he's going to hang out with a religious crowd. If he's the son of God, he's going to hang out with the, quote, religious authorities. And so here's what's interesting is that this religious hypocrite, if you will, Simon, invites Jesus to come to his house for a feast, for a party. 
at his place. Now, some of you love to entertain, and so I'm sure you're thinking, okay, how would I, how would I do this up? Well, let me tell you how a party back then at a Pharisee's house, because this was actually a common occurrence, okay? What would happen? The Pharisees would uh, put it on Facebook, hey, party at my place, and then the who's who of all the Pharisees would come out. And so you'd have all the leaders of the law and you have all the, the quote authorities. They would come to that Pharisee's house, but they wouldn't have the party. Get this, you ready? They wouldn't even have the party in the more insulated parts of the house. The houses would be surrounded by something that was more akin to like a porch, okay? But they would leave the doors and they would leave the windows open open. And so what they would do, you would get all of these religious people that would come together and they would go into this porch that was surrounding the house and they would just kind of meet and they would recline and they would talk about the aspects of pneumatology and soteriology and And what you had, you had all these Religious figures that just love to listen to themselves talk. You ever meet somebody like that? They love the sound of their own voice. Oh, I remember. <laughs> I'll share this. Uh, I, I love being in those situations where people think they're so important, right? Right? Like I'm the third wheel and you got like these two people that are just trying to outdo each other by how much they know. And I'm kind of watching the tennis match. And so immediately I think, you know what? This conversation needs a little bit of white trash. And so, so I'll be like, hey, I like pro wrestling. <laughs> Who's your favorite wrestler? <laughs> I'm like, excuse me. You know, I just, I love playing havoc with people like that who think that they're better than everybody. I just, it's just a personal pleasure for me. Pray for me, would you? I love doing that. I really do. I just love driving those kind of people. Absolutely insane. And, and so, so, because there was no internet then, okay, there's no cable TV, there's no Christian TV, so when these, quote, experts would get together and they'd be just rallying off truth, oh, this is what God says, oh, but this is what God says, oh, but here's my interpretation of the law, oh, here's my interpretation of the law, and they'd be doing this. So people would come from all over the place and they would literally just sit outside the porch, to listen to these experts talk and show off religiously. I'm just going to be straight. I think Christians need to have a few more conversations with people who don't even know Christ. Because that's a world that desperately needs to hear the truth. And we're so busy trying to bless each other. We're so busy trying to compare notes from whatever we heard on TBN or whatever some preacher says. And I'm not mocking that, at least not right now. But, but what I'm saying is that could it be that the Christians really need to get out of our porch and tell someone about Christ? Man, there's a world that's dying. There's a world that's a mess right now. They need the truth. They need the truth. So it's at one of these parties that this religious person invites Jesus for a little show-off match. 
Well, Jesus, what do you think? And, and, and by the way, you could read all through scripture how many times they tried to trap Jesus. Hey, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? Hey, Jesus, we notice that your disciples are, are eating on the Sabbath. They, they actually picked a little uh, kernel of wheat and they ate it. That, that's a violation of the Sabbath, by the way. Did you know that, Jesus? And, and, and all, this, all this goofy stuff that they would say. Some guy gets healed on the Sabbath and he's carrying the mat that he used to lay on the bag. And the Pharisees would say, ah, Sabbath violation. And they become the religious police. And it's this type of person that's inviting Jesus to a party. But then the party gets crashed. They didn't see this coming. We got this guy who claims that he's the son of God. We got this guy that they say he's a prophet. But then there was somebody who was not invited. And that's the second individual I'd like to show you. I not only want to focus on the religious and how that just, that should just make us sick. It should turn our stomach spiritually. But I want to take a look at the one who was rejected. (laughs) All of a sudden, in the middle of their in the middle of their party this happens verse 37 take a look a woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume uh, l- let me give you a little tip here uh, sinful life that's code language for a hooker. Okay? She's a prostitute. You ever have a party and a prostitute crashes it? We're just playing euchre. And it just, hey, you know. And these people are talking religion, and, and, and here she is. Here she is. And she's holding this jar of perfume and you need to understand that to walk around town everybody knew who she was they knew her story they knew that she was the town prostitute or at least one of them so she'd walk by men and and she would be demeaned by them or ridiculed by them she'd walk by other women and 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 they would just look at her with all of this Scorn? I mean, believe me, this is a woman who was used and abused by men and scorned by other people. She, she is a woman who crashes this party who has felt very ashamed. This woman has felt very unloved. In fact, she probably would not have felt safe in any other place except right next to to Jesus. The scripture goes on in verse 38. Take a look at it. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. She then wiped them with her hair, kissing them and poured perfume on them. So this was a woman who did not feel like she was good enough 
I mean, come on. What woman wakes up? What, what woman? Hey, what do you want to do with the rest of your life, sweetheart? Okay. Well, I would like to be a hooker. Okay. Okay. That's not the response you get in kindergarten. She did not go through life hoping that she would be a prostitute. And so now here she is having to deal with all the shame that comes along with her lifestyle. Here she is with all the rejection and all the guilt and feeling that she isn't good enough. And maybe she's even wondering, how in the world did I end up in this situation? And can I bring that home just for a little bit? Let's take it off the prostitute thing. Maybe you're here today and and you feel, I just don't feel like I'm good enough. I feel like I'm, I feel guilty for where I've been and for the things that I have done. I, I have made mistakes and I have a lot of shame in my life. I, I, in fact, I cannot believe that I have ended up where I am today. Because right now, things are a mess. You're invited. You're invited to come close to Jesus today. This woman, look at that scripture again. She is, she is wetting her feet, or, or Jesus' feet, with her tears. Folks, that's some ugly crying. Okay, that's not just that, oh, you know, that, that, that's not like we see on TV. This, this is some, this this is some serious next level emotion. Are you seeing this? And she wipes Jesus' feet with her hair. She kisses Jesus' feet and she poured perfume. That jar of perfume that she brought in, she poured that perfume on Jesus' feet. I know there's a lot of discussion Uh, amongst experts as to what the perfume is significant for. But let me give you a couple things that stand out to me. Number one, this jar of perfume would have been very rare. In fact, it would have been extremely expensive. And I can tell you this, this was the most valuable thing that she owned. And she poured it on Jesus' feet. But because it was so rare... This woman, when she would put perfume on herself, you know what that was? It was kind of a calling card, if you will, a business card. See, she didn't, she didn't have a, a Facebook account. You know, hookers are us. You know. No social media advertising her services. But that perfume... When, when, when men smelled that on her, they knew. And that was part of her life. That was part of her future. If she was going to stay in this life. And now her calling card and the thing, oh, the thing that other people defined her by she poured at Jesus' feet. Oh, don't miss this. Don't miss this. There are so many people who have been defined by other people 
the wrong way. And what they need to do is just pour that at Jesus' feet. Because here's what she did. When she, why, why, why is this perfume significant? Because number one, she is offering to Jesus the most valuable, significant thing that she owns. And secondly, she's saying, my entire future and how I am right now, I've just poured it at your feet, Jesus. And then she's saying the very thing that other people use to define who I am, I'm, I am literally putting that at your feet. If you've been defined by some sin that you made 20 years ago, pour that at Jesus' feet. If you're being defined by what somebody said about you a long time ago, or maybe they said it recently, and you think that's your identity, pour that at Jesus' feet because Jesus does not identify you by your mistakes. And Jesus does not identify you by other people's opinions. And Jesus does not identify you by what you own or what you can offer him. You are identified by the cross of Jesus Christ. And so she pours this perfume and in one moment of what I would call extravagant worship, an incredible worship, incredible emotion, she is pouring her future and what is most valuable and what some people would define as her identity at Jesus' feet. This is the best I have, Jesus. I'm giving it to you. But that's not all. (laughs) How did she wipe Jesus' feet? Did she have a towel? She used her own hair. She is just overcome with emotion. Let me tell you, a Jewish woman would not unbind her hair. Big cultural no-no. How many Little House on the Prairie fans here? Remember when Ma would like have her hair down? You know, it's always when she was ready to go to bed. It was never, and I always thought, what gives? And, and, and it was just, it was the culture, right? And so in public, for, for a Jewish woman to unbind her hair and use that long hair as a towel to wipe and clean Jesus' feet, you will not find more of an act of humility than this woman. And then verse 39. Don't you love the religious? When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, He said to himself, praise the Lord. What a testimony. This is great. (laughs) Sound like Donald Trump. This is great. (laughs) It's been a while. (laughs) This is great. That's not what he said. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to him, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he'd know who's touching him. What kind of a woman she is. 
She's a sinner. Religious people will not celebrate the repentance of a reject. If somebody turning their life around for Jesus doesn't bring a thrill to your heart, you need to do something with Jesus. You, you need to get closer to the Lord because there is no greater miracle. None. Doesn't mean that they always got it all together. Okay? Minutes ago, she's a hooker. Now at the feet of Jesus, her life has changed. Minutes ago, that person was an addict, but then Jesus changed things. Minutes ago, that person was a jerk, but then Jesus came in and softened that person's heart. Minutes ago, this person was just steeped in sin, but now, because they've encountered Jesus, they're changed. And religious people will never be receptive to that. I've heard people say, well, we don't want this kind of person to come to church. Actually, I don't want your kind of person to come to church. Because Jesus died for that person. I said, Jesus died for that person. Are you sure you want them kind of... Yeah. Because Jesus died for them. He died for them. And that brings me lastly. We've seen the religious and we've seen the rejected, but... Praise God. Praise God she found the Redeemer. Praise God she found Jesus. And I, I'm not sure when exactly she first heard about him. But if we start reading in verse 44 and follow along with me, he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, okay, let's pause, let's pause, okay, Simon did not verbalize, hey, 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 don't touch him. You're a prostitute. You're a sinner. He said nothing. He was thinking these thoughts in his head. Can you imagine? Okay. Simon is probably, Pete a little, uh, because he's thinking these things. Then Jesus says, hey, Simon, can I tell you something? Yes, teacher. Teach away. And he tells a story about two people who had a debt. And the one who held the biggest debt was basically forgiven the most and loved the debt whore most. And then verse 44, he says, he turned towards the woman. (laughs) He's not making eye contact with Simon as he says this. I, I love this. Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. Custom, by the way. Did not even give Jesus that convenience, that custom. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. Custom, by the way. Have you ever been in a culture where they smooch? It's different, but it happens, okay? 
Just don't come to second for seconds. You, you did not, you did not, and I've had it happen. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. Look at verse 46. You did not put oil on my head. She's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But for whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this who can even forgive sins? And then Jesus said to the woman, and I want you to catch this. He says this, borders, borders. He said this, your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Jesus did not say, hey, hey, thanks for the foot rub. That saved you. Jesus did not say, hey, because you cried, had an ugly cry, that's what saved you. That's not it. Jesus did not say, your actions have saved you. Jesus said, your faith has saved you. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Stop thinking you have to earn Jesus' love and his grace. You don't. You never will. But Jesus paid the price. We sang it earlier. Jesus paid it all. He paid the price for our forgiveness. And so now it's not what I do that brings me grace and forgiveness. It's what he's done that brings me grace and forgiveness. He tells the woman, go in peace. Earlier in the chapter, we didn't read this earlier, but Jesus makes this statement. I'm going to wrap this up in a little bit here. And if you know me, that means nothing, but here we go. But earlier in verse 22, Jesus says, he replied to the message, just go back And report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. The blind? The sick? The lame? The deaf? Who are these people? Rejected people. That's who they are. I think the town prostitute heard Jesus say that his love was available to the people that the society and the culture rejected and pushed aside. It's no wonder that a woman who was caught up in so much pain and a woman who was caught up in so much shame and a woman who was caught up in so much sin, it's no wonder after hearing that, it's no wonder she broke into a Pharisee's house and cried tears that she'd never cried before. Do you see how, by the way, judging her lifestyle, pointing out her sins did not save her? Should I say that again? Jesus didn't say, uh, 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 hooker. Probably cuss too. Yeah, you're bad. Okay, she knows she's a mess. 
Christians, I don't think we really need to remind the world that they're lost. Because I'm going to tell you, a lot of them know. They may come off. I got it all together. I am whatever gender is popular this week. I am this. I am that. I'm going to do this. I got it all together. But deep inside, they know. They know that they need Jesus. Because every single person within the sound of my voice was created with a void that can only be filled by Jesus. Ralph, if you can help me, I'd appreciate that. There you are. What, what changed this woman? It was the love of Jesus. It was the love of Jesus. Am I saying that we don't take a stand against sin? I'm not saying that at all. We, we stand with what the Bible says. But here's what I know. I've had more people, and I'm going I'm to be straight here. I've had more people give their lives to Jesus Christ because of a demonstration of Jesus' love than my anger. And I think the church has gotten really bad at letting everyone know what we're against. We don't support this. We're against this. Yeah. But we don't know what we're for. That's religion. That's Pharisee talk. We're all about broken people getting fixed by Jesus Christ. That's what we're about here. And, 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 and maybe you're one here who is listening to this and you've said, Pastor, I've made that decision. I've accepted Jesus' invitation to be uh, devoted to him. Then let me point you to a great story that I'm going to close with. Jesus said in Luke 14, just seven chapters forward, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent a servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. And the servant came back and reported this to his master. And then the owner of the house became angry. And he ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets in the alleys of the town, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Remember them? Remember them? The rejected people. The others that people have given up on. The ones that some people would even go, some religious people would go as far as to say, you must have done something wrong. That is why you're in the situation that you're in. Terrible. And Jesus said, Sir, the servant said, what you, what you have ordered has been done. But there's still room. And then the master told a servant, and this is what our master tells us. Go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in. Compel them to come in. And then my house will be full. Can we compel 
someone who needs to accept this invitation, can we compel them to come? See, we, we've got some people that have already been to the party. We accepted his invite, but there's others that haven't accepted yet. I just wonder, in your life, is there somebody, is there somebody that you can go to and say, you got to come. You, you need to serve Jesus like I do. Will you share the Lord's invitation? Will you do it? There's somebody that you work with. There's somebody who is a fellow student of yours. Yeah, you might be a faithful follower of Jesus. That's, that's great. But there's somebody in your life who's not. There should be. Somebody you know online. Somebody you work with. Somebody you live with or near. Somebody that you see every day. Somebody that you've developed a relationship with uh, because you see them every day during your, during your regular routine. They need Jesus, will you compel them? Will you share the invitation with them? I'm not asking you to give a fancy sermon with three points that start with R-E. I hope you noticed. But what I'm telling you, what I'm telling you today is that could you, could you say, look, I don't even have it all together yet. But here's what I know. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lame, but now I'm walking. I once was a sinner, And I'm not perfect, but I don't do that anymore. I used to be an addict, but I'm not anymore. I used to be such an angry person, and God's changed me. And and I want that for you. I want that for you. Can you come to church with me? Can you listen to my pastor preach? He's kind of funny. You'll you'll enjoy it. Just say that, okay? Keeps him coming. But, but... Can, can, you, can, you share, can you share the invitation? Maybe there's somebody here today that you need to accept the invitation. As you listen to this, you'll say, that's what I need. I feel unworthy. I'm ashamed. I feel guilty about what I've done. My life is a mess. I need His grace. I need his mercy. Jesus has come. Jesus has come. If you, if you feel ashamed, Jesus has come. If you feel unworthy, Jesus has come. If you have your doubts, you've got your addictions, you've got your hang-ups, you, you've, you've got your baggage, you've got your past, please, Jesus has come. He can handle you. He can handle you. He created you. He can handle you. Will you accept his invitation? Can we stand together, every one of us? You're invited. You're invited. And I wonder here today, just with the show of hands, and and, and please, don't try to rattle off a list of 15 people to me. Because if you won't reach one or two, you're, you're not going to reach 15. So how many here, just with an upraised hand, you would say, you know what? There, there's one person in my life that I know needs an invitation to 
experienced Jesus like I have. There, there's a second person in my life that needs to experience Jesus like I have. And I'm going to pray for an opportunity to be able to tell that person that they can experience what I've experienced. If, you, if there's someone in your heart right now, I just want you to raise your hand. I just want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand. These, these hands represent lives, people. This isn't about church growth. This is about people finding a savior. This is about people having their lives changed is what this is about. They're, they're invited. They're invited. They're invited. Can we bow our heads? I'm going to pray. Before I pray, is there anybody here? You need to accept that invitation. You'll say, Pastor Phil, I'm not right with God. I'm not right with God. And, and, and I just need that experience with him again. I need to make him my Lord and my Savior. I need to accept that invitation for all he has for me. That's what I need today. No one's looking around. But I want to ask if, if you're in need of that or if you're online and you need that, I want you to know that Jesus is here for you. Here life, if you could just slip your hand up as well. I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I need to accept his invitation. Those of you who are online, I want you to let us know in the comments that you need Jesus and you need to accept that invitation. I'm going to pray for every hand that's gone up here this morning. Perhaps you, follower of Jesus, you need to stick around a little bit and just pray for that individual that God has put on your heart. Would you do that? That would be so fitting to do. And let's see what the Lord might do when somebody that you know accepts the invitation. Jesus, right now we lift up every single person who slipped their hand up. God, there were dozens and dozens of hands that were raised in here. And God, each one of those hands represents a family member, a friend, an acquaintance, a neighbor, somebody that we know who needs Jesus. And so God, I'm praying for opportunity. I'm praying for opportunity. And God, our time with them might only be like a minute long, but God, I pray that we make the most of that opportunity, Lord Jesus. God, I ask you that you would change hearts and change lives and set people free. I pray that you would bring joy where there is hopelessness. I pray, Lord God, that you would bring peace where there is anxiety. And God, use us. Use us to do that. And God, anybody who needs you as Lord and Savior, we pray this prayer, Lord Jesus, come into my life. And I ask you, Lord God, that you would forgive me of all of my sin. Become my Lord. Become my Savior. Take my sin away from me as far as east is from west. And Lord God, I pray that you give me a new start. God, to those who have drifted from you, we come back. We come back. We come back and we say, Lord, let's start over again. So Lord, I pray that we would walk in newness of life. God, that we would walk differently spiritually than we ever have before. And God will thank you for all that you do. Now, I pray, Lord God, I pray that we would take your word with us as we leave this place because our response to this, Lord Jesus, for the most of us is not necessarily in this room, but it's outside these walls. So Lord, guard our steps Help us be sensitive to your spirit to recognize open doors. And Lord, I'll thank you in your name. And we all said amen. Amen. If you need to remain and pray a little bit, go for it. That'd be great. If God's released you, you can consider yourself dismissed. Thank you for coming. God bless you.
Nice guitar work on that. 